Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. We've got a fun one today. We're going to be talking about generative AI and the world of fraud. And joining me, we have David Britton, VP of Strategy, Global ID, and Fraud at Experian. David, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Absolute pleasure to be here today, Greg. Thanks for having me. So to kick things off, can you give us just a little bit of background on yourself and how you came into being in the role you have now? Absolutely. Uh, sort of happened to fall into the role of fraud mitigation and fraud detection back in the late 90s out in the Bay Area. Uh, I was a musician artist at the time and uh, needed a day job, was getting married and uh, interviewed for a job uh, in, in a call center for a, what was an e-commerce shop. And on the way in the door, someone said, hey, there's another interview going on for this fraud detection stuff. You're not qualified. Just so you know, there's two interviews. I decided to switch lanes and I got into that one and convinced them they needed an out-of-box thinker to uh, to do their fraud mitigation for them and they bought it. So <laughs> I talked myself into the job and I've been at it now since that time, uh, trying to fight bad guys, mostly in the digital channels across e-commerce, banking and others. And then through acquisitions and other things came to experience about 10 years ago and been here since. Wow, that's crazy. Well, well done you for being heads up enough to take the most of your opportunity there. Um, that's that's a great way to kind of backdoor <laughs> into the security space. Um, so, you know, as I said at the top of the episode, you know, th there's obviously some big picture pieces that are going on in the fintech space right now. We At our 2023 conference series, we had a lot of chatter about AI in general, generative AI in particular. We didn't spend a ton of time at our conferences talking about it from a fraud and security standpoint, but obviously this is a major concern with these new technologies. So uh, let's, let's start by just saying, you know, what are you seeing around how fraudsters are using generative AI for immoral purposes? It's really been interesting. And if you if you if we go back to basics, like what does a fraud prevention organization need to do, whether it's within a business, a bank, whether a vendor that's selling these solutions, ultimately we have to make sure that the right people are allowing or are being allowed in and that bad guys are not not being allowed in. <laughs> and so fundamentally that's the that's the nature of the game, right? So what we're seeing with AI is really you can kind of break it into two parts. One, the technology allows for a lot more automation. It allows the fraudsters to attack at a, at a new scale, a new level of volume. You know, they're, they're able to put a lot more uh, traffic out there. So there's a whole element around the automation of the attack. And then separately, the ability to, to sort of create identities that either are stolen identities or look like authentic identities but are completely fictitious AI is really powerful to be able to allow them to pull together the right kind of data, the right kind of details to allow them to look legitimate and to try to bypass those, those security measures to be able to perpetrate fraud. So it's really along these two lines that we see the biggest attack vectors happening at the moment. Yeah, well, let's let's take each of them in turn because I think it's important to to dissect them a little bit more. So, with the first, you're talking about be, basically being able to use AI to dramatically increase just the sheer output from a, a fraud capability standpoint. Not necessarily that the attacks are inherently more uh, complicated or more nefarious, but just you're able to do so many more of them. Can you talk a little bit about what that actually kind of looks like and, and where the AI pieces come in? Absolutely. And I always like to go back because everyone can kind of relate to the idea of the old phishing attacks, right? 
if you could craft an email and you had a list of email addresses, you could send it to some potential victims in the hopes that they would respond and click on a link or give you a credit card number, whatever it was, earliest days of phishing attacks, right? If you take that same concept and you say, listen, what if I could actually write a script that would allow me to generate a million emails and then tailor those emails to the population of victims that I want to go after? And oh, by the way, I can even use AI prompting and generative AI to perhaps spin up all the servers I need to go perpetrate the attacks and send these things out at scale, you start to realize that that's one way that scale becomes possible for these fraudsters. They can really sort of put a deluge of of content and, and traffic out into the market. And that doesn't just apply to phishing attacks, but it applies to, are they able to fill out web forms and put in a bunch of data very, very quickly to open up a, you know, a thousand accounts in an hour that they can then use in the future for perpetrating, you know, money laundering or mule activity and so on. Yeah. And I think one of the things that this really highlights, and we've known about this for a while, this idea that as a financial institution, as a fintech company, you need to really educate your customers and prepare them for some of these really basic forms of attack. And for a while you could say, well, maybe if we don't educate everybody, they're not all going to get hit by this type of attack. And now you're approaching the point, well, actually they probably are probably everybody in your network will get one of these because it's so much easier now to send them at scale. And so it really ramps up the pressure on making sure that everybody in your ecosystem knows what to do when they see those types of emails. And the answer usually is not too difficult. This is a, a numbers game, not so much a, this is the best you know, fraud email I ever saw. But if you can find, you know, if I send 100,000 emails and none of them work, that 100,000 and first one works, that's great. That's fine for me as a fraudster. I don't care that first 100,000 can all say no, and I don't need to worry about that. Exactly right. It, it really is that numbers game. And, and and at the end of the day, it's like, what can get through the filter? And while we're talking about phishing here, it, it, it as I said, it, it relates to opening up accounts. It relates to logging into accounts with stolen credentials. You know, so, so where this can be applied across the entire consumer journey, if you're a business and you have consumers that sign up for an account and then log into the account and then transact within the account, like at any moment in that journey, there's a potential, uh, the land, the threat landscape is, is increased. And then you have the volume of traffic that, that the fraudsters can apply to any one of those points along the journey, any one of which can also be problematic if, the, if they find a, a gap to get through. Yeah. So again, a lot of work to do on that one. Now, now let's dissect the second one because this is where maybe the AI gets a little bit more complex when you can when you're talking about actually creating fictitious human beings who can then go and open accounts and who can do all sorts of things. Can you unpack that a little bit more and say, you know, what does that actually kind of look like in practice? Yeah, certainly. I think it even starts with basic identity, the usage of identity theft or, or stolen identity data, right? So there's, we all know the number of data breaches over the last decade to our, in our mind, basically asserts that everyone's identity has been compromised. So let's start there. That's kind of how we wake up every morning. Everybody's identity has been compromised. So now what do you do? Uh, what, the AI, what, what AI and what a lot of the automated tools help the fraudsters with is how can I actually go collate that data or bring it together and use it just as it is? David Britton's identity as it is, I can use that as an attack vector or, or use it to, to perpetrate an attack. Or I can start to say of those millions and millions of records that are out there, I can start to create what we call synthetic identities or Frankenstein identities, where I'll take my social security number, someone else's phone number, you know, somebody else's address and so on. 
And now I have kind of a Frankenstein identity that I can go use to do more of these attacks at scale. And the challenge here is that there's really no technical victim that's being, whose identity is being used. Uh, and in certain cases, that becomes very difficult to detect as long as some of the data lines up properly, unless you have authenticated identity profile data that you're able to bounce that up against, which fortunately here at Experian, we have a lot of authenticated consumer identity data, which helps in this process. But, but that synthetic identity challenge, just building that identity is something that AI can help with. By the way, it gets even deeper than that, though, because it's not just about the name, the address, and the phone number. In the fraud business, we're often looking for proofs of life or proof of life that this person exists, right? So you may say, well, look, here's this person, David Britton. Does he have a social media profile? I'm going to go check and see if there's an Instagram account or a you know TikTok or Facebook account, whatever you may have. Or I'm going to ask for a document that shows that it's David Britton at this address in the driver's license or something like that. And I'm going to ask them to scan that document. Well, with AI specifically, the fraudsters can say, hey, look, I want you to not just collate an identity for me and build me a profile. Go build me a driver's license that actually uses all that data and some random image, maybe even generate an image for me. Or go launch without with just a prompt. Go create an Instagram account for me. Go create 10,000 Instagram accounts for me with these different identity data elements. And so now you get the scalability and the details all coming together that make it increasingly difficult for, for the business to try to overcome the challenges. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. The size of the task is daunting. And I want to talk about one more side of this, because the, the big question now is, how do banks see this? What does this look like from an FI perspective? Because what you're talking about here would be very difficult to detect if I'm getting all of a sudden a bunch of account openings or if my customers are getting these kind of more advanced attacks. How do I actually perceive that threat from within a financial institution? It's a good question, and it really comes down to how how sophisticated are the current controls that the bank or business may have in place? For example, if you don't have many controls in place, you may not know for weeks or even months that fraudsters have been actively seeding or farming accounts on your on your books. You may just have no visibility to it. You may suddenly realize that there's money movement that happened that's happening through some series of accounts. And some victim from some other part of the world or, or part of the country calls up and says, hey, money got transferred into your account, apparently, at your bank, uh, and, and it wasn't me that did it. And now when they dig into who owns that account, they start to, the, threaders, the, the sweater starts to unravel pretty quickly in realizing that there's uh, you know, some activity that, got, that went on months before that they had no visibility to. Now... If you've got a marketing team that's looking tracking about you know how many times new accounts are being created and this and that if there's a spike that can obviously be a tell but one of the things to, to be aware of though is say hey was that a legitimate marketing exercise like did we just <laughs> spend a lot of money to go find a bunch of new customers and now the fraud solution guys are the fraud guys are shutting all that down so that dialogue is critical but that's one of the ways that that banks or businesses may may come to the knowledge that these attacks are happening, maybe after the fact, maybe too late, in fact. That's one yeah, no, this is This is where it gets really scary. And I think we're at a point now where we're all sufficiently scared, right? We've kind of detailed a lot about how uh, how deep this rabbit hole goes. And, and of course, we're still not even really all the way down it or anywhere that close to it. But I, I think we now have to start saying, is there anything that you can do to stop this? I mean, do we all just kind of give our 
throw our hands up and say, okay, that's it. Congratulations, fraudsters. You win. You've crushed banking. And it turns out that the whole system has to go. Or what can you actually do to, to combat some of these pieces? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's uh, the chicken, you know, chicken little hasn't said now the sky has fallen, right? <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's not that we're not at that point. The truth is, is that, it, you know, if, if the scenario I just gave was a business that may not have, you know, very many controls in place. The truth is that a lot of businesses, particularly larger and more sophisticated businesses do have different controls in place. What we're finding, though, is that the best way to combat the emerging sort of uh, threat vectors that we're seeing related to scale and AI is in a, com a combination, uh, bringing together a combination of capabilities, what we call a layered risk mitigation strategy. If you look at things in, in isolation, like just the, the name, the address, and the identity of someone opening up an account, you only look at that data, you may not be aware that there are a thousand accounts being created with a thousand different identities over time. It just looks like one identity per account. However, if I can start to layer in other intelligence, other insights, other data points, for example, did the same device open up a thousand accounts in the course of an hour? Like now you're like, oh, wait a second, that's kind of weird. Why would one person's device you know, be opening that up? What kind of network are these devices coming from? What IP are they coming from? What internet service providers behind that IP? Is it a Tor network or is it not? You can start to look at things like the behavior of how someone put the information into the web form. Did they copy and paste the information in? Did they actually type it free form? Did they move their mouse in an appropriate way? Did they, did they um, you know, or, or is it a script that's just inserting data in? And the point is, is that if you start to look at all of these different signals, and there are literally thousands of signals that occur in a digital interaction, if I can start to look at all of them and apply a variety of solutions to the problem, it starts to become pretty obvious that you're under attack instantly in real time. And then you can actually in real time put countermeasures that say either I want to step this person up or this entity up to, you know, prompt with a, uh, a one time passcode or a, or a uh, even things like a document scan, document verification step up or a, a knowledge base. Like there's a lot of different things that can be done to be able to say, look, we're going to actually require a biometric read here. We're going to take a facial scan or something like that. All of those things together allow the businesses to actually have a much more robust approach to stopping fraud. And by the way, the, the added benefit is that you actually have a lot more information about your legitimate customers as well. So the next time the legitimate customer comes back, you don't have to put them through the ringer. You've got enough intelligence about how they come to you that you should be able to use the same data that you're using for fraud mitigation to create much more elegant consumer experiences over time. I, I've, I've always wrestled with this idea that there's a balancing act between fraud mitigation and great customer experience. We're, we're emerging into a world where the data is the same that allows you to do both. And can the business, are, they, are you set up to leverage that in a meaningful way? I think we're there. I think we're getting, if we're not there already, we're getting it very quickly. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's that's a really kind of positive way to think about it, right? Because ultimately, this is another major challenge in the fintech space is how can we create these really personalized services, these personalized experiences, and the idea that you can do both at the same time, you know, both that and, and combat some of the fraud at the same time is a really appealing one. 
I think it's also the case, you know, we've had a lot of people on our stages over the years who've had new security solutions. They've all kind of come in and said, you know, this is the thing that matters. You know, actually, that's not the data point that matters. This other piece is the thing that matters. And what we're seeing now is actually they all matter, right? All of these people, uh, all these different pieces have a role to play creating this mesh network that is all of a sudden really difficult to penetrate. If I can spoof this thing, I might not be able to spoof all 10 of the rest of the things that are now that, that we can search and, and are available. Um, so I think that's a really interesting one. I, I do see we're coming up on the end of time, but I just want to quickly uh, get your sense of what financial institutions need to be asking their partners, their service providers, because obviously each individual company that you bring in to provide a service for you is another potential point of attack. So how can a financial institution move forward with those you know, technical innovators and still be confident that they're not opening themselves up to a massive amount of potential for fraud? Yeah, I, I think there's two sides to it. So first of all, you write that this combination of capabilities is required. And, and, and we actually believe that we can use AI to fight AI. Because if you have a thousand different entry, different data points that you're trying to make your decision around, how do you make sense of all that? And we've said, well, look, here at Experian at the very least, we're able to leverage machine learning, you know, AI, even generative AI to build incredibly robust models on all that data, which helps, by the way, with the business's cost on which solution to use at which point in time. So you don't have to use everything all the time, but you need to have smart, what we call smart orchestration to be able to do that. To your other point though, about how do you ensure the vendors are, the, are, are secure and are safe? There's a lot of work that has to be done there. One of the challenges actually that most of our clients have articulated is that to fight fraud, they have to bring together six or seven, sometimes up to 10 or 12 solutions to solve the problem. And every one of those vendors, they have to put through a very rigorous onboarding process or a vendor uh, vendor scrutiny process. That is a real thing. Asking questions about how they, you know, how, how are their models developed? What data do their models use? Uh, is there explainability in the model? Can they actually point to what is going on? Is there to ensure that there's not inherent bias in the models and so on? Is there a, what's the security profile of the business? Do they have training for the employees? Can they certify that training for the employees so that they recognize that they're not just exposing yet another threat vector in, the, in their own threat landscape by going to the vendors? So that's an area that we actually realize where we sit at Experian, we serve a lot of customers, putting the time and energy as part of our own platform for integrating our the partners that we bring to market, we put them through really robust screening and security processes so that when a client comes to experience and say, hey, do you know of a partner that can do the following? We have a list of partners that have already gone through extremely robust security profile assessments and allow them to then simply engage that through us single contract, we can help them get that capability on board without having to go through 18 months of due diligence on that vendor themselves. Yeah, and I think that's the kind of thing that's going to be more and more necessary because it's simply not realistic for every person in the value chain to become an expert in security to the extent that they need to be enabled to properly vet all of the different solutions. And so being able to bring in a trusted person, a trusted company and say, you know, who do you trust? This is going to continue to be a really yeah. big piece of it. You brought up an interesting point, which is going to lead to our last question, the idea of kind of, you know, AI fighting AI. You have, a, it sort of brings to mind this you know sci-fi universe of robots just doing battle off in space and let's see who wins out there and then they can come back in. Um, but you know, looking at it from a really, really high level, is AI a net benefit or a net detriment to people fighting fraud in financial services? 
This is a, yeah, this is the eight hundred pound question, right? <laughs> the yeah, this is the real question. one. Probably no probably trillion dollar question. It's probably <laughs> a trillion dollar question at this point. Um, I think look, it's really early days in some of these later versions of what AI is doing. AI has actually been around for quite a while, but this is this is sort of emerging uh, as the latest iteration. Uh, it's sort of the commoditization of AI. It can put it in the hands of everyone, essentially. I believe that there can be tremendous good that comes from this. I think that we have to have the right guardrails in place. We have to be really cognizant of what the power can do. There are the challenge that we have is that even with all, if you put regulations around it and you get the right frameworks in place, there will be this population that we encounter every day in my line of work that is simply going to take it and run run amok with it, if you will. And so we have to be as crafty as they will, as the fraudsters will be by leveraging AI to be able to fight fire with fire. So I feel that in general for society, there's going to be a lot of tremendous good that comes out of this. I think we're going to see that, you know, uh, in the same way the personal computer transformed most of our lives, I think that we're going to see a similar thing with AI um, uh, over time. And I think that there can be significant benefit for it, a net benefit. If you want my vote, I'm the op perhaps an, opt uh, an optimist, net benefit from my view, even though I see what can be done from a dark side. Well, I think that's a terrific place to leave it. And I appreciate your candor there. Net benefit. You heard it here first. There's a lot of cause for optimism. So just go now listen to the first half of the episode again and re remember all those reasons that we all have to be super terrified of everything as well. Um, no, this has been a really great conversation. David, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through some of this. Um, would encourage anybody who's interested in learning more to do quite a bit of homework here. This is a space where you can't possibly know too much. So, um, David, again, thank you for taking the time and chatting with us. Absolute pleasure, Greg. Thanks for having me. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.